Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. At verse 7, James comes right after Hebrews. It's a little difficult sometimes to find. James chapter 4. While you're finding that, one other thing, I, I knew there was something that I needed to mention, so go on looking and listen at the same time. We, you know we're buying new pulpit furniture, all choir chairs, and a new podium here for the front. Uh, Hadley told me just before I came into the sanctuary that it was all taken care of with the exception of nine chairs. That's down to eight, Hadley. You don't know about one. We still need enough to purchase eight chairs. Those are being made, and we hope that they will be here in the next couple of weeks. We're not sure of the exact time. So if you have committed yourself to some chairs, we probably ought to be thinking in terms of having that money by next Sunday or shortly thereafter. We can be prepared to go and and bring them in. We're going to go after them. Uh, Mr. Halstein has agreed to take his van and go, and that will save us the shipping charges. And we're going to try to bring them in that way. Thank you. Next Saturday, all day, will be a special cleanup day for the church. All of you, if you can at all, bring some cleaning materials, and we're going to give the church a good sprucing up. Totally. We think we're done with all of the dirty, real dirty work in the construction we'll be doing for a while, so we're going to try to get it all ready before revival, before Mother's Day. That's Saturday. Any time. Don't come before 6 o'clock. Outside of that, it's okay. No, about 8 will be all right thereafter. Verse 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil... He will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. May the Lord add his blessing to this portion of his word. Lord God, we pray that as we fellowship now in the study of your word, that you will direct our hearts and minds to the truth that you would have for us today. May our spirits be one, our souls be united in you as we fellowship together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As you go down the road, I'm sure you are always conscious if you're on a new highway out the road signs that tells you how to get where you want to go. If you ignore those road signs, you're going to end up someplace you don't want to be. 
I've done that a few times, and I'm sure a few of you have as well. When we should have been looking at the road signs, we were busy doing something else and failed to recognize what the instructions were. It's very similar to the road of life. When we talk about our lives and what we do and how we're going to get where we're going in life. There are signs that are erected. If we want to get to heaven, we must obey those signs. We must do what the instructions say. If we ignore those signs, we will discover that we have arrived at a place where we did not want to be. It's that simple. And in this particular passage of Scripture, we are given a few signs as to how to arrive at where we want to be in our lives spiritually. If you haven't closed your Bible, or if you have, turn back to James 4, and let me quick you, quickly give you six words that are stated in this passage of Scripture. And then I want to speak briefly from those words. And we're using our as our title this morning, Submit to God. In verse 7, there are two words. One is submit, and the second one is resist. In verse 8, there is the words, or two words together, draw nigh, the word cleanse, and the word purify. And then in verse 10, there is the word humble. And it's upon these words that we want to hang the message this morning. First of all, the word submit, or submission, which carries the idea of obedience. I'm not quite sure why we have arrived in our society to the point that we have of being able to abruptly say to each other, I'm my own person. Nobody tells me what to do and where to go and how to do. I'm going to make my own decisions and do my own thing seems to be the phrase that is in prominent use in our communities today. This type of attitude we soon recognize causes a person to be a poor employee. When I was an employer and hired people to work for me, there was one thing that I would not tolerate, and that was insubordination. As long as I paid the bill, I expected the work to be done when and how I directed, not at the whims of my employees. And there were a few who would attempt to say, I'll do that when I get ready, and they found themselves in the unemployment line. The same thing is true in public employment, and there are always charges being made against people for insubordination. And rightfully so. If you were in the military and elected to not do what the sergeant said, I suspect you men who were there 
recognize that the uh, outcome of that particular act was not very pleasing to you. There is a need for people to be submissive to somebody in order for the proper affairs of our lives to, to go on as they ought to. What does the word submission mean? If you went to the dictionary, you might find a definition like this one, and let me give you one definition. Submission is a voluntary placement of oneself under the authority of another to show respect. The voluntary placement of oneself under authority of another to show respect. That's exactly what we have in government, in which we are admonished by the scriptures that all of us should be subject to the authority. Our government, the higher powers, as Paul uses it. We found that Jesus, as a boy, was submissive, obedient unto Mary and Joseph. And that's recorded in Luke chapter 2. We are told in the scripture that young men should be submissive to older men. In 1 Peter 5, 5, we have the words, ye young men, Submit yourselves unto the older. There is a normal reason for that kind of, of respect being shown from young people to older people. Wives are instructed in the scripture to submit themselves to their husbands. In case you women didn't know that was in there, that's Ephesians 5.22. Well, let me read it and see what it says. It says, Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, there's one good thing maybe you can find, ladies, in that particular verse. It says, Submit yourselves to your own husband, not to anybody else's. But he goes on to say, As if your husband were the Lord. Well, I'm not speaking on that subject this morning, simply to point out that there is some admonitions of people to be submissive to others. Also, we are told in 1 Peter 2.18 that servants are to be subject unto their masters. And all of this comes together in the Lord's teaching in, in his model prayer that he gave his disciples and that we uh, perhaps all know very well when the phrase in that prayer is, Thy will be done, simply means to submit oneself to God. It is clear, I think, throughout the scripture that there is no other way that a person is going to reach heaven unless he has a proper relationship to God, which is a subordinate position. He is to be submissive to God the Father. The second word that we find in this particular verse is the word resist. But notice the word says to resist the devil. In the same model prayer, the Lord advised us and the prayer to pray, deliver us from evil. Literally translated, it means deliver us from the evil one. That is, deliver us from the devil. 
People say, and I have said, and I'm sure all of you have, that I can't keep from doing thus and so. It has such a hold on me that I can't escape it. There are people who have difficulty with, with alcohol, who say I cannot possibly keep from drinking, or keep from smoking, or keep from lying, or keep from stealing, or keep from gambling, on on and on we can go with the things that we say we can't keep from doing, and I don't believe the first word of it. Because the scripture admonishes us to resist. The problem comes in our resistance. The point is we really don't want to resist too greatly. If you say to me, I can't keep from doing that, I'm going to come back with the answer, oh yes you can. Oh yes you can. And what is the source of my making that statement? It's found in 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If you want, you can. Because the source of that resistance is within you. I have asked some people who have made those statements to me, you mean to tell me you're a quitter? You don't have any fight? Listen, I haven't seen very many people that can't fight. I mean, sometimes we're ready to fight at the drop of a hat. Are we not? Yes, we are capable of resisting. It's a case of what do we choose to resist. And what's the result of resisting the devil? And you will find it there. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now I didn't say that. The scripture says that. The brother of the Lord Jesus says that. It has God's stamp of approval upon it. You say no to the devil and order him away from you and he will flee from you. Then can we argue we can't overcome, we can't put down, we can't get out of our lives, all of these things? I think not. Verse 8, look at verse 8. He says, draw nigh, draw near to God. I want you to think with me a moment that you're going to go to Washington and have an audience with the president. If you're like me, you're going to have butterflies in your stomach. If I were to go to the White House with an audience with President Bush, there would be several things running through my mind. What am I going to wear? And I would say to my wife, is my best suit clean? Do you have my shirt ironed? Are my shoes polished? And if they're not, I'm going to have to do that and all of those things. 
And then I would go beyond that, well, what am I going to say? How do I address him? Do I say, hi, George? I don't think I'll do that one. What do I say? Good morning, Mr. President. Good morning, Mr. Bush. Just hello. What do I do with my hands? They're always a problem. Do I hold them behind my back, down at my side, uh, in front of me? Do I extend my hand to him before he extends his hand to me? Uh, what is this relationship? How do I act? What do I say? How do I look? Listen, there's somebody a lot more important that we will be in the audience of. And that's the Lord God himself. And I think it's more important that we spend time trying to decide how we're going to look and what we're going to say and how we're going to act in the presence of God. For we're always in the presence of God and we're always called to an account as to how we look, act, and, and uh, speak. Psalm 24 dealt with this very question when the psalmist said, Who may ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Who's going to go into the presence of God? Or, who may stand in his holy place? And then the psalmist answered it, He that has clean hands and a pure heart. That's all. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Can we possibly feel comfortable in the presence of God with contaminated hands? Can we feel comfortable in God's presence with a heart that is black with sin? I think not. Let me say certainly that God is approachable. We can have an audience with God. I doubt that I could call the White House and ask to see the President and I would be granted that petition. But I know that I can call God's house on the prayer line and I know that the response will be you can have immediate audience with the Lord God. For the scripture tells me that whoever comes to me, God speaking, I will in no wise cast out. But the invitation is extended. If you want to go to the presence of God, you've got a way of getting there. He will receive you into his presence. But as we go, he admonishes us to do some things. And the first word that he gives us here in verse 8 is cleanse. Cleanse your hands. I think it's time that we clean up our acts as Christian people. I think it's time that we as God's children act like God's children and that we find time in our prayer life and in our actual daily living to clean up our lives so that when we are standing in God's presence, we do not have to hide our hands because they're dirty. Because we've contaminated ourselves with the impurities of this world and have been unwilling to wash ourselves clean in the blood of Jesus Christ. Then he says to purify your hearts. 
Then he calls us a name. He calls us double-minded if we happen to be in the category of those that he would be speaking these harsh words to. Do you know what a double-minded person is? It's one who is unstable. One who is fickle. One who is a fence straddler. One who tries to love God and the world all at the same time. That's a double-minded person. One who cannot be depended upon to say or act the same two days in a row. One who will praise God on Sunday but speak evil of his neighbor on Monday. The double-minded, the one who tries to go in two directions all at the same time, he says to that person, purify your heart. Listen, I believe that if the heart is pure, we won't have to worry about dirty hands. It's the heart that we need to deal with. In verse 9, he tells us something that's very important. And I didn't read a word out of verse 9 because the whole verse is very important. He says to us, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. It sounds like at first reading, he's talking about that a Christian ought to be one of the saddest individuals in all the world. Wear black clothing and go around with a somber face and never smile and never enjoy life. That's not what he's talking about at all. He's talking about the Christian who is a sinner. That's the person to whom he's talking. A Christian sin? Oh, you better believe it. You better believe it, Christian sin. And when we do... He is saying it's time to mourn. It's time to express grief. It's time to weep. When the Christian sins. Psalmist in Psalm 6-6, you ought to read it sometime, says this, I am worn out from groaning. All night long I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. What's he talking about? I know you, as well as I, have spent many sleepless nights, and we have tossed and turned, and we have worried and fretted over our problems. We just cannot get our eyes to close and our minds to shut down to allow us to go to sleep. I have many nights like that. And I toss and turn and twist all over the place and close my eyes. And the first thing I know, they're wide open. Have you ever done that? And your mind is going 90 miles an hour. But I wonder how many times those sleepless nights have been as a result of our sin. How many beds have we uh, shed tears in? How many couches have we drenched? Because we are fretting over the sins that we have committed as Christian people. I think the children of God, you and I, need to come time and again 
to mourn and be sorrowful over our dirty hands and our impure heart. We have constructed what we call an altar up here, a fine oak construction, beautifully finished, nice rounded corners. If it stays that way, it will be a shame. If we are going to make this rail mean anything, it's going to be utilized by this congregation and it will be tear-stained, it will be scarred, it will be worn from the weight of our elbows, and it will be abused and become ugly and distorted over the years because Christian people make themselves available to God and His presence and we use it to express our mourning over the sins that we have committed. This is not a rail just for unsaved to come and find the Lord Jesus. This is a place for the Christian as well to express his regret over his sin and pour out his heart to God. Find your altar wherever you want. It does not have to be in front of the church. And I'm not suggesting that at all. But I'm saying find that altar and like the psalmist, we need to be groaning through the night and shedding tears of remorse over that which we as Christian people have done to make our hands contaminated and our hearts impure. And then we think that we're going to stand in God's presence without this mourning, without this regret. I don't believe God will accept us. How can we possibly go into the presence of the Almighty God, stained with impurities, simply because we're unwilling to seek the forgiveness of God that was made possible through Jesus Christ on the cross? If we're going to have a revival, it's going to come only because we as Christian people find ourselves in a position of remorse for our own individual sins, and then we can begin to influence people to come to Christ. And I tell you, until that happens in the heart of Christian people, there is no revival. Then lastly, look at the last word, verse 10. This is the word humble. Humility. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. Let me read some verses about humility in the scripture. Psalm 149, 4. For the Lord crowns the humble with salvation. Proverbs 3, 34. The Lord gives grace to the humble. Ezekiel 21, 26. The lowly will be exalted and the exalted will be brought low. Matthew 23, 12. Whosoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, unto God, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up. What does it say? Either we humble ourselves or God will humble us. One of the two. 
that person who is mighty and haughty will be brought low by the power of God. But the humble person, that meek and lowly, that one who loves God and who sheds tears of remorse over his sin, God will pick him up and lift him up and exalt him. God does the exalting. Man is expected to humble himself. And if he will not, God will. Humility toward God is evident in our relationship with other people. Don't tell me. Don't let me tell you that we're humble toward God and haughty toward man. It doesn't work that way. Humility with God will be humility with man. Philippians 2.3 Let nothing be done in strife and vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. So what's the road signs to God? You want to be in the presence of God? Then follow the signs. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. Draw near God. You draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. Fourthly, cleanse your hands. Fifthly, purify your heart. And lastly, says, be humble before God and before man. You follow those six signs and you'll be in the presence of God. Where are you this morning in your walk? In your presence with or approaching God? Are you a Christian at all? Have you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If you have not, you're not going to see the face of God. Never be in his presence. But, are you a Christian? But your life has not demonstrated that you're following the guides established with the Scripture. That's what this rail is for. That's what our hearts, why our hearts need to be turned around. And all of the animosity and all of the sin and all of the impurities and all the wrong thoughts, all of the wrong actions that we have committed as Christian people need to be wept over as we lay our lives before Jesus Christ so that we can stand in the presence of God with clean hands and a pure heart. Without this, we can't stand there. If there's a decision you need to make this morning, you're encouraged to do it. If you need to come up here just as a Christian person and, and spend some time on your knees and stain this rail that's never been stained with a tear yet, you do it. If you need to receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, you need to step out of that seat where you are and come down this aisle and say by your coming, I want to be able to stand in God's presence. If you don't already know how, I'll tell you how. That is, you say to Jesus Christ, Lord God, forgive me my sins and save my soul. And then it's up to God to do his work. He'll do it. What is your need? 
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.